This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. Friends, who among us, you know, cast not the first P stone. We've all been there. We've all taken laps around the room and ended up in the closet. Peeing. What? No, what? Is, is this that a thing? Just me? That was in college. Absolutely in college. Absolutely. You'd wake up, stream of consciousness, so to speak. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> what? See, what? this show moved. Like, I would understand if that was a conversation that they were having on the, form- the show formerly known as Freddie and Fitzsimmons, you know, 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Oh, okay. Eastern time. That's yeah. late night radio talk. Not that's Is this conversation for the middle of the day? I, I mean, it, is there a certain time of day where you're only allowed to pee? Like, no, I, I think it's, uh, I think you have to, if you, you stay probably well, hydrated. Raunchy for the middle of the day, All right, we're going to move on. That's Courtney Cronin, our collective conscience. Uh, I'm Randy Scott. We're in for the guys, Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app and SiriusXM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. And you can call in. We're looking to facilitate this conversation here, not only with your Thursday takeaways from the NFL triple header that we saw, but also what's your Black Friday deal? Like, what's the deal that you dial in on that you hope comes on sale that you've been tracking that you know will come on sale and you finally decided i'm gonna treat myself i'm gonna have a little me christmas a little me hanukkah a little me uh gift here because courtney already is getting super loose like you're treating yourself right like you're spoiling yourself and courtney tell the people what you did a little self-care so I wanted a more efficient way to clean my bathroom than having to get into the tub and scrub with a with a you know sponge. So an electric spin scrubber. I got the name wrong in the first hour, so I'm going to correct myself here. Forty nine ninety five for something that's going to cut bathroom cleaning down by at least half. You can just spray the stuff. You you know scrub it in, and you're good to go. And it works for the sinks. It works for the tub. It works for your toilet. It works for everything. It works for the floor. You should get on this. Uh, I should, but it would. I mean, you're right. I, I could stand to probably get a little bit more, a uh, little less cursory with the it's called the drill brush of the bathtub. The drill brush. Mm-hmm. All right, that sounds like a great way to put a hole in your bathtub. To be perfectly honest, but call in eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Your NFL takeaways as well as your Black Friday targets today um, as we dive into the Sunday slate because this is an extravagant. I mean, we got four days of NFL football. Here in week 12, right? You have the Thursday games. We've got a Black Friday game right now. We'll keep you updated on the Dolphins and the Jets as uh, Miami maintains its 10 to nothing lead. Obviously a Sunday slate, and then, of course, we'll have a Monday night football matchup. Uh, the Sunday games of note here, uh, we got Jags at Texans, uh, Steelers at Bengals, all of these teams. I mean, Browns and, and Broncos, there's an intrigue for the Bills and, and Eagles, obviously, and then the Ravens and the Chargers. When you look ahead, Courtney, to these Sunday's games, what do you want to learn from those matchups? Well, let's start with Jaguars and Texans, shall we? Because if you're looking at this... Jaguars at Texans. If you're looking at this months ago, you're thinking, okay, two te- one team that's going to make it out of the AFC South. If you're looking at the sixth seed right now in the current playoff picture, guess who's sitting there? That's Houston. So what I know about this, these two teams, they're already playoff contenders. What I want to learn... How do these two look going up against each other? I believe it's the second time they've played this season. And can C.J. Stroud continue on this tear that he's been on? He's, you know, I mentioned earlier I do our MVP candidate, um, you know, our poll every six weeks. We write up. We have a big write-up kind of dissecting the candidacies of everybody. I know C.J. Stroud isn't going to win it this year, Randy, because it's hard if you're a rookie. 
But my goodness, if he's not in that top five list, there's going to be something to to be said about that because he has played out yeah. of his mind and 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 just shown that like a like a like a I don't know like an old West or an old NFL uh, short memory when it comes to making mistakes because you know they hit him up. He had a couple of mistakes in his in last week's win over the Cardinals, and he was like, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna let it fly. I'm I'm not out there to dink dink and dunk down the field. He was gonna let it fly, take shots downfield." Um, you know, a dot is among the the league leaders, average distance on throws. Like it's just, it's been exciting to see. Tank Dell has certainly emerged. Tank Dell, um, I, I heard, uh, uh, I think it was Chris Long on the on the Green Light podcast, but he was talking about how Tank Dell is really what Jamar Chase has said he is as well. Like seven eleven, always open. It's been exciting to see him emerge, not only out of Nico Collins's shadow there in the wide receiver room, but also among some of the better uh, wide receivers in the entire you know league. Really, the the a AFC in particular. So that's going to be an exciting matchup to see. I want to see the Jags continue to not only uh, compete against good teams, but but beat winning teams as well. Uh, what, what's the next game? Steelers at Bengals. Man, this felt more impactful. It felt like a, like a, I don't know, more intriguing matchup, what, about three weeks ago, Courtney? Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you want to see the Steelers on the offensive side of the football coming off the change from Matt Canada, like it's one thing to have the the you know cool trendy fire Canada signs at seemingly every college game day and every uh, NFL matchup. Now you got what you want. So what's the offense going to look like? Can Kenny Pickett throw for more than a hundred yards? Because the last couple weeks it has not been very pretty. One hundred and sixty against Tennessee, one twenty six against Green Bay, one hundred six against Cleveland. Like it's progressively gone down. So how the quarterback now, that the scapegoat is gone, that Matt Canada is gone, they're going to be turning the play calling over to their quarterback's coach, Mike Sullivan. How Kenny Pickett looks might determine what the future is at quarterback in Pittsburgh. And on top of that, Najee Harris had a lot to say last week. Remember, his comments about the offense and the frustrations, those are pretty inflammatory, and those might have been the final straw for Matt Canada mm-hmm. because it's the third time this season that we have heard Steelers players complain about the offense, can he be a better part, a bigger part of the run game going forward? Because it's very clear he's kind of worked himself out of the position he was in a year ago. 35 yards on 12 carries, it's not going to get it done. Does Do those splits look a little different, or has he just gotten passed up by the rookie? I, You know, I, there's also, for, for a team here, in Pittsburgh that identifies itself and and derives so much of its offensive success and consistency on the ground. Uh, The emergence of Jalen Warren, I feel like folks in the fantasy community have seen it. Folks in the analytics community have seen that Najee Harris is really not uh, an an efficient, he's still effective, but not an efficient uh, running back. So it's been interesting to see Jalen Warren's uh, emergence. But what, what I didn't like what I didn't like about what I heard from Kenny Pickett, like on, on the one hand, he says it's a challenge to everybody. He's talking about Matt Canada's dismissal. Okay, he goes, I feel like you have to take it personal. Fine. Um, but he did go on to say that, let's see here, where is it? You can't have wholesale changes at this point in the season. We're going to run the system that we've been using. No, <laughs> that system doesn't work. That's why the change has happened. And if Pickett doesn't turn it around and at least – somehow midstream uh, become far more effective and efficient in that existing system. Like he better hope for a system change because he's fighting for his own job. Kenny Pickett is Um, he's done nothing this season to prove that he is a long-term solution at that position uh, for Pittsburgh. Let's go to the next game. Browns at Broncos. 
Again, if you told me after Deshaun Watson's myriad of injuries and the way Russell Wilson started this season that we'd be looking at this uh, midway through, actually most of the way through November, and this was going to be an impactful matchup, I would have thought you were crazy. Courtney, what stands out to you about Cleveland at Denver? Well, for Denver winning its last four games, now they go up against legitimately a test defensively. Like The Browns have the best defense in the NFL. They've got some of the best play up front from their defensive line, headlined by Miles Garrett. And I want to see, can they win this game outright? Can they win it before the fourth quarter drive that Russell Wilson led with Cortland Sutton last week? And I, I you know, it's not no shade on going two-minute mode. That's the reason that they ended up trading for him, and they wanted that to show up. But can you get off to a hot start? Because even Russ has said that before, that they've got to start these games off faster and get themselves in better position early. Can you do that knowing you're at home again against a Browns team that wasn't spectacular by any stretch in a win over Pittsburgh last week? And they've got a rookie quarterback plan in Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Yeah, DTR um, you know, did just enough, just enough to take care of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But uh, this is an offense uh, in Denver. That's, that's certainly shown signs of life. Uh, good to see Cortland Sutton uh, get off the deck a little bit. Russell Wilson obviously is the rising tide that's going to control uh, all boats here. But in all due respect to Minnesota and, and some of the teams that Denver has gotten right against, you're jumping up a weight class this week. I mean, the, the Cleveland Browns are the best defense in the league in so many impactful stats. They are 30 yards better. They're actually more than 30 yards better a game in terms of yards allowed number one over number two. Baltimore Ravens are sort of in a fight with the Dallas Cowboys in terms of yards allowed per game. Cleveland is 30 yards better per game than they are, and specifically with regard to the passing game, uh, they're allowing Cleveland is just 143.7 pass yards per game. Some of that, actually, just to tie it all together with what the Steelers you know, have done or haven't done, has to do with the fact that they're in a division where Pittsburgh is – uh, turning the clock back as it, as it pertains to the passing yards. Some of it is who the Browns are playing against, but they've been able to take their defense on the road and lock up prolific passing offenses. So I don't know that Russell Wilson is at the helm of a prolific offense. I, I just think they've been able to uh, have success against subpar defenses, and that is not the case against Cleveland this week. I don't know, um, you know that Denver has – it's old school home field advantage either, Courtney. So I feel like what Cleveland does is going to travel well. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because this Browns team at 7-3, and three, more afloat than maybe we would have expected them to be given the injury to Deshaun Watson and now has him out for the rest of the year. But, you know, they've won close games. They did it yeah. last week. They beat San Francisco on a close game. This Broncos team has as good of a chance as anybody right now in that middle tier of the AFC to make the playoffs. You've got to win a game like this to to cement that case even further at 5 and 5. Looking at Denver right now at 5 and 5, where are they? Where are they? They're at they're in the 10 spot. They're yes. in the 10 spot in the conference. That Browns have, right now yeah, are, are just out of it. So, because the Steelers have the 7th seed in the AFC. Uh, the Steelers have the 7th. The Browns are at the 5 seed though. Browns are, yeah, for, correct me on that. Five seed, it's Ravens uh, who have, like, they've locked up the automatic bid as yeah. of right now. Yeah. Browns at five, Steelers at seven. And I want to say Denver is, like, just outside of that if you're, like, thinking of those in-the-hunt graphics. Yeah. They're, what, ninth? Because they have a tiebreaker over Cincinnati, who's the only other, right. they're, they're another five-and-five five team, and then Vegas is five-and-six, and, six and you, you go on down the road. And, God, it, it's it's interesting. It's, it's, it's it, humbling to look at this and say, man, Chargers at 13, Jets at 14, Titans at 15. Like, 
I remember I, – I'll, I'll raise my hand and say it. I was sitting in one of these ESPN radio chairs uh, saying that the AFC East was going to get three teams in the postseason. It was going to be Miami and Buffalo uh, and, and, and the Jets, and the Jets might be the best of that group. And right now Buffalo's hanging on by its fingernails to the eighth seed, which brings us to our next game. Bills at Eagles. You could probably – you know, search these two teams' preseason predictions and find somebody who thought that they were going to be playing each other uh, in the Super Bowl. Instead, they're playing each other here in November, and you got a six and five Buffalo team that has made its own change at offensive coordinator. Uh, Ken Dorsey is gone. We're going to have to find somebody else to overreact in the booth and slam stuff around. Uh, now it's Joe Brady. So, Courtney, a crystal ball at forward now. Uh, how does Joe Brady change this offense? I think it's going to be different from what we heard the discourse to be about Pittsburgh and what you brought up with Kenny Pickett saying he doesn't expect wholesale changes. They're so far into this. Joe Brady has been given the keys to take the Ferrari, which is Josh Allen, and drive him the way that he's supposed to. Like We have seen this offense get stunted and just run into the mud by what happened with Ken Dorsey calling the plays over the last couple of years, but particularly how how stagnant it grew this year. And, yeah, there is some scapegoating in that. We know that Sean McDermott, after that Monday night game, said he felt he had to do something because he couldn't go back in the locker room and face the guys otherwise. Mm-hmm. But how Josh Allen can cut down on the turnovers and some of these big play mistakes that the Bills have had in close games and also in, in some close losses, that's what I'm looking for with Joe Brady and how he can – Right the ship here for a team that, you know, has felt for the last couple of weeks they're just holding on for dear life and currently out of the playoff picture. I in, in At the collegiate level, so I've, I've tried to figure out what a Joe Brady offense looks like because what it looked like was just just enough for just anemic enough to get him fired uh, after his year in Carolina with, with Matt Rule. Now, you know, having Baker Mayfield, having uh, Sam Darnold in that year, like it's, it's not necessarily a fair test or a fair assessment, uh, but – I I remember distinctly at LSU some elements of RPO, even though Joe Burrow is not the most the most fleet of foot quarterback and had that prolific NFL, you know, sending 10, 10, 10 players uh, on on uh, on this roster to the to the National Football League um, or actually probably 10 starters to the National Football League. So I, I remember there being bunch formations at wide out. I remember RPO elements. And that is Josh Allen's game to a T. Like, I, I understand wanting to protect your franchise quarterback, newly minted, I, you know, your literal financial investment to be sure, but I've, I feel like Josh Allen's at his best, Courtney, when he is a threat to run. Um, Absolutely. His I, scrambling ability and, like, just can you imagine that that person, as big as he is, uh-huh. as forceful as he is, coming at you? Do you think anybody's going to want to tackle him? That's, no, the, that's no. the business decision that defenders have to make when yeah. you're going up against Josh Allen. And in a way, it kind of reminds me, completely different offenses, completely different uh, issues this year, but it reminds me of what we didn't see from Justin Fields and the Bears up until last week. Like You have a quarterback whose scrambling ability can help you extend drives, extend plays. You've got to use that. And I'm hoping that the Bills end up doing that against a defense that you know certainly up front, they got after Patrick Mahomes last week in Arrowhead. But can that run defense and what they do with like you know running quarterbacks – Let's see what Josh Allen looks like against yeah. a strength like that. That's testing strength on strength in ways that we have not seen from the Bills this year. Uh, you know, where, you, where where the Eagles are, are gettable, to be sure, is in the secondary. Sure. I mean, they, they have talent, but 
my goodness, do the Bills have the offensive uh, you know weaponry there in the in the wide receiver room to to put some stress on you? Um, so you know you want to see that from a Philadelphia Eagles standpoint. You don't want to let down after going to Arrowhead. That was a physical game, poor weather, bad elements, the whole deal. Will there be a letdown? Because I, I also feel like there's always a spark when a coaching change is made. So you're going to get a Bills team that's scrappy. You're going to get Bill's team you know, it's fired up and looking to show out for the new guy in charge offensively, and, and that is uh, Joe Brady. Um, let's get to our last game on the slate here. Ravens at Chargers. Another matchup that looked great when the season started. I mean, I was surprised in this season of coaching change now as we get into the latter parts of November. Were you surprised that Brandon Staley uh, li- lived to fight another week there with the Bolts after that disappointing loss at Lambeau? I'm not because they could have fired him after the massive collapse in the AFC wildcard game. I honestly think this speaks more to ownership and how do you call someone cheap without calling them cheap? Oh, wait, I just did that on air. (laughs) I don't think that ownership wants to pay the buyout right now or rather like, you know, what what would be left of Brandon Staley's contract? And I know that Kellen Moore feels like, you know, he's the next in line potentially, but you don't have a – Go to man. This is guys. The interim coach. Will the team will be fine for the next couple of games without Brandon Staley there? I just don't see it happening. I agree. It yeah. should have happened by now, but I don't see it happening. It, it, it feels like a team that continues to regress on the defensive side of the football, and that almost makes it sound like they had some success defensively, and they they've just come back to the pack. They've never. Despite the talent, I mean, how often in August and and September are we saying this is one of the more talented rosters in the entire league? We do it and, every year, and yet here we are, two games under five hundred in November. It's just rinse and repeat. Uh, a calling card of of the Brandon Staley era, you know, up to and including that week uh, seven, week eighteen loss um, in Las Vegas, where he was out coached by Rich Bisaccia. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Raiders were going to kick a field goal and just play for overtime and instead ended up uh, – or play for the tie, rather, and instead ended up winning. So um, that's the negative side of this is Brandon Staley is firmly on that hot seat. Positive side for the Ravens, you know, regardless – you know, Kansas City falls at at, at home to, to Philadelphia. I think there are some, some flaws there offensively uh, for the Chiefs. The Ravens are getting better offensively. They have a defense that is in the top five in all these categories. We just shouted out the Browns, and and deservedly so, but the Ravens' defense is bowed up as well. It seems like Baltimore, uh, if you're looking for a nit to pick, might be peaking too early, but what a, what a problem to have to be playing some of your best football as the weather gets colder here. And they've scored a lot, like 30 mm-hmm. points in five straight games. You know, I know that the Chargers have been in a lot of shootouts. They got into one with Green Bay. Hell, you go back to week one, and they got into one with Miami, and it just kind of showed you the foreshadowing that, yeah, this yeah. defense is talented as it is with Derwin James and two really good pass rushers up front. I know I'm leaving a lot of people out, but from back to front, they should be able to prevent a Ravens 30-point scoring affair from happening, but I don't think that they will because they're poorly coached and they've poorly executed, you know, just giving up routinely 400-yard game after 400-yard game. And when you have Lamar Jackson right now playing as well as he is, one of the best passing quarterbacks, I know. Like, some people are going to look at that and say, how did this happen? Well, he was always that guy. I just think he got into a better situation offensively mm-hmm. with Todd Munkin as his play caller this year that has allowed him to have a 33 total QBR in three games, or rather 
to take that, the one that he's had against the Chargers, and throw that out the window and expect that not to happen again this year because he's looked so vastly different and being able to spread the ball around against some really good defenses. All right, we got an update, meanwhile, from the uh, first Black Friday game in NFL history. Dolphins at Jets. All right, so the Jets aren't doing anything offensively. That's fine. Your defense can score you points. It was Brandon Eccles had a 30-yard pick six on Tua Tonga Vailoa. He's looking for Braxton uh, Berrios near the sideline, an easy jump. I mean, this wasn't even close. It looked almost intended for Eccles as he took it back 30 yards. Now the Jets are going to jet, so we missed the extra point. Okay, Greg Zerline, uh, you know, Legatron, Young Jeezy, uh, he missed that, and that's that's okay. So it's 10-6 right now. Miami with the football less than a minute to play as they move across the 25-yard line of the New York Jets. Uh, Courtney Cronin and Randy Scott in for the guys. It's Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. We've talked about some of these intriguing AFC matchups, and there were plenty of them in the ones that we just ran through. Who's the class of the NFC right now? We'll dive into that question and more. Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. This is Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Love Friday. That works. That works. It's a hopeless place, MetLife Stadium. I don't know. It might be. Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Courtney Cronin in Chicago holding down the Midwest Regional Office. I'm Randy Scott. That office is your condo, right? It looks like. It is. Yeah. It is. Glorious. I'm Randy Scott here in Bristol, Connecticut. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear on the uh, Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. And joining us there is Charles McDonald, a Yahoo NFL contributor here at 4Verts. You can follow him on uh, x.com. Charles, about an hour ago, I mean, soothsayer that you are, you tweeted, this game doesn't feel right. After uh, a half of action, after a half of action there, the Meadowlands, uh, you still feel that way? Uh, yes, <laughs> this shouldn't be televised. I, I, I would love to know what Jeff Bezos is thinking right now. He's saying, "Yo, you, you paid a hundred million dollars to get the Jets' third string quarterback, uh, and he just threw a pick six on a hail mary." I guess, I guess, in his defense, I've never seen a pick six on a hail mary before, so maybe that's <laughs> part of the Black Friday uh, intrigue today, but. I don't know. There, there's just something about this that doesn't feel right because I'm usually used to, like, college football rivalry weekend kicking off today. We got Oregon versus Oregon State tonight. A big game as far as playoff implications are go- are going. Uh, you know, you kind of get the the send off to the end of the college season today uh, and tomorrow. But the NFL, in all of their infinite, you know, <laughs> outreach and money and power, 
slap the game on the middle of Black Friday. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm usually used to just hanging out with my family during this, and now i got to work, and it's not even the game between two watchable teams. You know, the Jets <laughs> need a pick six to get back into the game when they were only down by 10, and they just pulled off the open masterpiece of throwing a pick six on a Hail Mary to close out the half. So I, I don't really know what's going on here. I'm not having a great time, <laughs> but at least I'm not at the game. Uh, I, I can say that. I'm not having a great time. I mean, to be on the wrong side of history, I mean, at least you're on one side of history. This is a team that was responsible for the butt fumble once upon a time and uh, feels like that uh, pales in comparison to what we just saw with the uh, fail Mary pick six. Charles, the news of the day coming out of Washington with Jack Del Rio being relieved of his duties along with their defensive backs coach for the commanders. What do you make of this firing that was done by Ron Rivera? Uh, it's like a year too late, I would say, probably. Um, just because, you know, the the commanders, they're one of those teams that when you, you look at, like, if, if I were to just to pull up, like, the commanders' defensive roster, like, be- before they made the trades for uh, Montez Sweat and Chase Young, if I just pulled up their roster and said, look at this collection of players, you would probably think, well, damn, this is, this is pretty spectacular because not only do they have a – uh, you know, all the defensive line talent, including the first-rounders, guys who we know are good, like uh, Sweat and Young and John Allen and Deron Payne. But they also have some secondary talent, too, especially at safety. You know, you would say, hey, this is probably a pretty pretty good defense. But they always underachieved, you know, based on what they had in terms of their collection of players. So, you know, I, I, I was on the train that they probably should have done this last year because – uh, it just doesn't make sense to be shelling out that much money for a defense and spending that many first-round picks on a defense and not really getting any much of it, uh, especially when those guys are, are on the field and we see their capabilities to make good plays, big plays of their own. Uh, it just kind of felt a year too late. Uh, you know, if, I think if Ron Rivera was probably a little bit more forward-thinking about saving his job, not only do you go out and get Eric Bieniemy, but you probably replace Jack Del Rio too at the same time. And, now for six games, Ron Rivera is, I guess, maybe fighting for his coaching career, uh, like entirely, because uh, I think when you have two failed stints where you go back to the Panthers and the Commanders now, I, I think when I, when I think of Ron Rivera, the term complacent comes to mind a lot, where he's not really going to push the air and try to go make those big swings to make something happen. So I, it's probably just too little too late. I don't really see a change in the season and. I, I think with the new ownership, too, we'll be looking at the new head of the commanders very, very shortly. Yeah, another change. Another change there for a franchise that, uh, you know, we talk about the Cleveland Browns and that quarterback's jersey. I feel like the coaching one, uh, if there was such a thing for the commanders, would certainly be be long and distinguished. Uh, he's Charles McDonald. You can get at him at four verts. Tremendous follow. He is just suffering through suffering through this Jets game. I think I think your last tweet was just, Jesus. I think that was your last tweet. <laughs> See, I wouldn't be watching this, but I have to write something off of it. You know, uh, my friends are like, yo, come out. We're we're hanging out. I was like, I got to I gotta work for a little bit. And they're like, work? On uh, a Black Friday? What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, can I go out if I'm currently in shambles right now? Um, let's talk about the team that, uh, that you know, precipitated this, this coaching change there uh, for the commanders, and that's the Cowboys. And, yeah, the good is they're clicking offensively. Uh, maybe masking a little little bit of the ground game inefficiency, but but they are rolling offensively. The problem is though, the teams they've beaten are trash. Uh, you know, twenty two and fifty. It's, it's the combined win loss record of the teams that the Cowboys have beaten. Where do you put them in the hierarchy in the NFC? Um, I think they're at they're they're still within the top three. Like if I were to tear off like 
serious championship contenders. Uh, I would go 49ers, Eagles, and Cowboys. Not maybe not in that order, but like those are the three. Uh, and look, even even like when they played the Eagles, I think they showed. You know, they went to Philadelphia and they showed they, you know, can go blow for blow for the, blow for blow with blow, blow, blow for blow with them and uh, match up talent wise. But you know, at some point you got to finish these games and get across the finish line. Uh, it just kind of feels like, you know, they've been able to beat Philadelphia in the regular season. They haven't seen them in the postseason yet in recent years. But San Francisco has kind of been their Achilles heel, both in the regular season, uh, you know, because they got blown out early this year, and in the playoffs where we've seen them lose to uh, lose to them a couple times now. It's just you, you have you – have, I, think, I think they have all the pieces that they need, right? Because when they go to play these lesser teams, it, it looks like what happens when San Francisco and Philly play these lesser teams. They, they absolutely demolish them. But when it comes out to um, when it comes down to being like on par with your fellow championship contenders, they tend to struggle and not play so well. So I, I think that this is going to be a spot for them where they need to figure out, okay, you know, beating them on the on the Commanders and the Panthers and some of these other low level teams is nice. But when we get to our real competition in the playoffs and play the Forty ers and the and the Eagles. That's what we need to do. Like our our goal is a little bit higher than scoring forty five points against the commander. So I don't really know what changes they can make because, like I said, I think they have all the pieces. But at some point, you got to start winning these games. But I think talent wise, they're really on that level. Yeah, that stretch they have coming up, maybe against a healthier Seattle team in Week thirteen, Philly, Buffalo, Miami. And then Detroit, and we know what happened to the Lions yesterday, and I feel like this has been a culmination of events that have been snowballing up until this point. We saw what happened against the Chicago Bears and how they were able to salvage that game in the final four minutes and 15 seconds. Not not the case at all against Green Bay, which pressured the hell out of Jared Goff. Do you feel Mm -hmm. like this was more of a sign of things aren't right in Lions land right now or an anomaly that they'll be able to to kind of right the ship with here in a couple days? No, I think this is what it is for the Lions. You have a really good team, but when you passed on trying to trade up for a quarterback this year, you set a hard cap on what your team can be with Jared Goff as your quarterback. Uh, And I, I think Jared's a good quarterback. Uh, obviously, he's capable of leaving or leading a, a, a quality offense, a, a, you know, a good offense in, in terms of what the Lions have been able to accomplish. But he's still capable of, you know, doing these things against lesser opponents, uh, where he kind of gets kicked in the teeth. I mean, even the Bears game last week was not Jared Goff's, uh, you know, his finest performance. And when they got down into that two-minute drill where they really need to have it, what did they do? They ran the ball. They ran the ball straight down the field against the Bears and punched into the end zone, and two of their yeah. biggest plays on that last drive were run. So I think that even for them, it's kind of something that they know where, hey, we have Jared Goff. He's going to be able to lead us to the playoffs. But I would have serious questions about what it looks like when you get there because uh, he's not a guy that's going to make a, a bunch of plays under pressure. He's not a guy that's going to be able to create on his own. So when the offensive line gets into those situations where maybe they're struggling and, uh, you know, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith had fantastic games yesterday, when those situations arise, he kind of turns into someone who's not really capable of producing all that much. And I think that that's going uh, to be where the Lions have to shore up, uh, you know, their issues going into the postseason. You know, he's a fine quarterback to have, but a quarterback, I would say, more than other good quarterbacks that's relying on the pieces around him. And, you know, I think that's why you had to strike back in April. We had the chance. You could, you could say, hey, we'll trade it to three. We have picks six and 18. That's a whole lot of draft capital for a team that wants it. 
we could play Anthony Richardson behind Jared Goff, have him learn for a year and see how that turns out. But they kind of doubled down. And now you're, you know, not to, to spin it too forward, but you're about to have to pay Jared Goff a contract that pays him probably close to $50 million a year, especially with how uh, that Daniel Jones contract was turned out for the Giants. It's a, it, it's not a bad situation to be in for Detroit because mm-hmm. obviously when you're the Lions, like having a team that's even eight and three is uh, damn near a miracle. But uh, it, it is a problem worth monitoring for them, you know, what's possible for them when they get to the playoffs. And they have to go play Dallas, and they have to go play Philadelphia, and they have to play San Francisco to get to the, the championship. I think that gets a little bit tougher with the quarterback play that we saw yesterday. Charles McDonald is a uh, Yahoo NFL contributor at 4Verts uh, on X.com. And we'll get you out on this here. Maybe the Lions are, are the answer. I don't know. What's been your biggest surprise in the NFL this season? Wow. Biggest surprise. Um, that's a great question. Okay. I, I've been surprised that the Bills haven't been able to score as much as they have because, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at some of the metrics and just in terms of how they're moving the ball, they're, you know, among the top five teams in the league just in terms of keeping the ball on schedule and getting to the red zone and, you know, creating valuable possessions for yourselves, but they just can't seem to actually get the job done. Uh, and I think, you know, I don't really think there's one person to blame for all of it. You know, I see a lot of pointing at Sean McDermott, a lot of pointing at Brandon Bean, Ken Dorsey, Josh Allen. But, you know, they're just kind of in a transition period. I think this offseason will be important for them to reload. But as long as you have a quarterback as good as Josh Allen, you should be able to score the bunch of the best of them. And yeah. I think it's been, a little, been a, little, a little bit surprising that they haven't been able to do that. This year. They don't all have to be good surprises. They can be negative surprises. And that's what certainly won there uh, in Orchard Park. Charles, we'll let you get back to it, man. I mean, I know you're super locked into this Jets extravaganza. Super locked in. Hey, hey, look, I, I, I used to work for the Daily News in New York, so <laughs> I've covered a lot of lifeless Jets teams, but this one I think might take the cake. Oh, man, I appreciate you. Great follow at X.com. Again, at Forverts. Charles, thank you, man. All right, thanks, guys. Jets fans with, with, with some self-awareness. You know, Jets fans with some personality. It's good stuff. It is it is so fun to watch. Tune in for college football action tomorrow as LSU hosts Texas A&M. It's presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. So we talked about the Lions' struggles. Uh, Courtney made some tremendous points about a lack of protection there for Jared Goff. Uh, is Jordan Love, meanwhile, the quarterback of the team that, that beat the Lions there, is he the clear-cut long-term starter there for the Cheeseheads? We're going to answer that and more when we go through real or fake next. Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott, and for the guys, Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. This is the Freddie and Harry Podcast on ESPN Radio. Love Friday. Let's go. Very quickly, what's the policy on singing? Very quickly. Hey, I want to dance with somebody. This is, my, this, this, is one of, this is one of my shower songs. No big deal. Love Friday. All right, Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. She is Courtney Cronin, ears bleeding. I'm Randy Scott here in Bristol, Connecticut. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. I was told in the break I'm a bit of a corgi guy, so we might unpack that later on Love Friday. All guests appear via the uh, Dr. Pepper call in line. My kids aren't listening. Um, They're going to ask Santa for a corgi for Christmas, so now uh, Dad is scrambling in the uh, perpetual uh, popularity contest that is 
uh, co-parenting in divorced households. I have to find a dog for Christmas, and I'm trying to find a corgi in time for Christmas. Randy, corgi. you have a month. That's a re- that's a big undertaking for a month for somebody who hosts Sports Center a couple days a week. Couple fills in on radio four days a week. Yeah, yeah. Like you've got well, a little. You bit off way too much on this. Did you promise them the dog? I didn't. No, they haven't asked Santa yet. They've informed me they're going to ask Santa. Okay, so, so you're trying to get ahead of this. Trying to get well, out ahead of it. Just saying, getting a dog is, A, no small undertaking. B, have you researched this enough to know where you're going to be getting this corgi from? Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's going to be a drive for me. I think after a show one day, SportsCenter AM, I can get on the road about 1030 in the morning, and I'm going to drive like Pennsylvania and drive back. Yeah, we're going to figure it out. What I'm going to do with the dog during SportsCenter, I don't know. About to say, does ESPN, I know we have daycare for our yeah. children. Do they have dog care? They have. They might have pet care. We'll, we'll figure it out. These are all details. Bring this it over is, to radio. This is this. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hey, you've talked about how much you love corgis, so uh, I feel like you have some pretty good experience there, right? No, not really. No? No, you, they're, you... They're, kind of, they're kind of a pain in, <laughs> pain in the you-know-what. Man. Because they require your love and affection? I'm sorry. Sorry, nature's Roombas need some attention. I only have so much love and affection to give out to these dogs. I can't be, you know, endlessly just showering them with affection. I feel like we just had two more additions to the Love Love Friday Friday playlist, right? Like, I don't need it but a love and affection. I don't want another night. You sound just like whoever sings that song. Appreciate you, Courtney Cronin. She is so nice, never bullies. 888 State ESPN's a phone number, 888 729 3776. It is time for real or fake, Devin. Jump in. Both It feet. sure is. Where are we starting? I don't know. No, I do know. <laughs> I would hope. Courtney, I'll ask you this. Know. right in front of you. I'll ask you this know, question first. Given the combined record of the opponents the Cowboys have beaten, which is 22 and 50, Dallas is still unproven in the NFL. Real or fake? That is real. Am I waiting for a sounder here? Real. Real. Oh, okay. We didn't think that too hard. There we no, go. Low budget Thank today. You. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, look, their best win right now, if you're looking at their schedules, maybe a 20-17 to 17 win on the road on Monday Night Football at the Chargers. We remember how that game ended and, you know, the Chargers, where, they, where they've gone since then. Certainly doesn't help Dallas's case in terms of strength of resume. We will not be able to test the strength of this team because right now they are in the, the second tier of NFC teams because it's the Eagles, the 49ers, considerable gap. Dallas and Detroit. And until we see how they handle Seattle, which should be a healthier team come week 13, maybe you'll get Geno Smith back at full strength. Kenneth Walker will be back too. Then Philadelphia again. And then on the road, Buffalo, Miami, and Detroit on New Year's Eve Eve. Like that's to me is what's going to tell me, is this Dallas team proven? Have they proven it to that point? Or they were? is their 8-3 and three record right now just the byproduct of playing the Giants twice beating up on Washington yesterday, leading to the firing of their defensive coordinator and, you know, a couple wins here and there mm-hmm. against teams that stink. I think both can be true. I think the team can be better. I think the opponents can be worse. And I think it adds up to eight and three. And uh, if, it le- if it leads to another early playoff exit, I think we could see some changes uh, there in the Metroplex. All right, what's next, Deb? All right, Randy, the Jordan Love is the QB of the future in Green Bay. Real or yeah. fake? No, that's real. That's real. Matt LaFleur wants it to be. You can tell. Sometimes it's not just the opportunity that you're given. This this is true in life. Sometimes it's who is backing you. 
who has a stake in your success. And it's Matt LaFleur uh, there in Green Bay. Uh, he wants to be proven right, not only historically, but uh, relative uh, to uh, Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers' departure. So uh, I, something has clicked with Jordan Love of Ladies. won three of his last four starts. He's got a 4-1 to touchdown interception to ratio in that span. Uh, they've gone on the road and done it. They showed me something against Detroit yesterday, even with Detroit's increasingly glaring issues. Yeah, for me, this is real as well. And I'm going to go to the point of the touchdown interception ratio out of his last four games, only two picks. And that was against a very good Pittsburgh defense, arguably the best defense that they saw in the stretch that had the Rams, the Steelers, the Chargers, and then going on the road yesterday to do what they did at Detroit. That was Christian Watson's best game of the year. And when you have somebody who on the other end of things can come through and do their job, whether it's him, Jaden Reed, I know Luke Musgrave's out right now, but like everybody else stepping up to help Jordan Love on the offensive end, Mm -hmm. that to me is the game changer these last four games. And you're seeing a much better quarterback in all of that. We get to have one more, Devin, real quick. I don't think we do. No. We'll do something more later. How about yes or no? Lions are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. I still say yes. I still say yes. I'm going to waffle on this. I'm going to say no. Not after the last two weeks. How about that? We got reckless with our time. Real or fake brought to you by Real Christmas Trees. Get real or and keep it real this holiday season by buying real Christmas trees at Lowe's or wherever Christmas trees are sold. For more info, visit GetRealKeepItReal.com. Signs of concern for Detroit. More on that. Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app, the Freddie and Harry podcast.